everybody. Welcome to Bloody Podcast. I want to apologize that we've been a little disorganized this last month. Lori and I have had a lot of uh, personal problems and just life stuff get in the way of, you know, doing the stuff we love, honestly. And, uh, you know, this, this podcast takes a little bit more prep than your average podcast, as you guys know. So that wasn't possible in the span of this month as much as we wanted it to be but we're back on track yes and (laughs) more importantly maria did the research for this episode (laughs) so we know that it's gonna be jam-packed and fun so yay you're back (laughs) your nails look nice i just saw them oh thank you yeah thank you I got them painted the day I got a car accident because I was like, something beautiful needs to happen today. <laughs> oh, Lori, that's right. You also got a car accident. So you see, you guys, we've had a lot of hard stuff happening lately. Please don't be mad at us. We're trying our best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you are mad at us, then just get in line because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we're mad at ourselves yeah okay? exactly yeah. um happy hispanic heritage month everybody hey Yay. i still don't understand why it starts on the 15th and not on the first yeah it doesn't make any sense but um at least it's still a full month we go into october so <laughs> and it gives us the opportunity to you know pretend like we're almost starting on time with something yes <laughs> in order to celebrate the greatness of my people i'm going to be covering some of my favorite latina criminals and now do wells oh okay yes so nice. first first up on our latin american tour is argentina our main sources for today are the book written by martin murano mi madre Yiya Murano, that means my mother Yiya Murano, and the part of the book called Mujeres Asesinas, which means, uh, I mean, it means uh, women, as- uh, what, what is it? Asesinas? Asesinas, it's the same. Why can't, why am I blinking on it? Assassins, female assassins. Ah, oh, okay. Ooh, um, that's cool. It's a, it's a, it's a book. And then they got turned into an Argentinian show. And then they got turned into a Mexican show. It's like a, it's like deadly women. It's the same. Oh, nice. Kind of thing, okay. There's, there's no narrator. Um, oh. It's like it's all, all story. Like it's like played out kind of like they're basically mini lifetime movies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that book is written by Marisa Greenstein. And today we're talking about a woman named Yiya Murano. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying that wrong already. I'm saying it how I he, I spell it, but it's actually Jija Murano. Oh, yeah. The, so the Y is the is a J. It's kind of like a Z. Z. Oh, and I think this is a very Argentinian thing that I'm not used to doing or saying in in either English or Spanish. So, yeah, took it takes some getting used to. But her name is Jija Murano, and she is called. The Poisoner of Montserrat. Mm. <clears throat> All right. So I'm assuming she uses poison then. As yes. Far as... Okay. <laughs> That's a good guess. Thank you. <laughs> and she lives, in, she lives in the neighborhood of Montserrat. We're, we're, we're recording this very late and it's been a long week. So I'm just going to let you know 
that's as smart as I'm going to be. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. This <laughs> so. I don't. To be fair, this case doesn't require a lot of smarts. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect case. <laughs> so Gija Murano, her given name is Maria de la Mercedes Bernardina Boja Aponte de Murano. So as far as I can tell, in Argentina, like many other Latin American countries, where you live, you add it to the end of your name. Oh, okay. So um, she at some, I'm sorry, no, I don't really know how it works. Actually, I'm going to cut that part out or just ignore it, everybody. We're probably not going to cut it out because it's late and I'm tired and we want you guys to have an episode before the week is up. (laughs) (laughs) Disregard. That's, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to say disregard if we disregard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're not calling it a corrections corner or anything like that. No. You're just going to disregard, strike it from the record. Strike, strike. Okay, striking. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was born in 1930 in the town of Corrientes, Argentina. Gigi's father was a, was a colonel, and her family were descendants of celebrated military man Donato Alvarez, who mm-hmm. had fought in the Parag- Paraguayan Paraguayan. Paraguayan? Is that how would you say it in English? I think so. Paraguayan? Paraguayan War. Also known as the War of the Triple Alliance. The war was considered the bloodiest in Latin American history, with Argentina, Uruguay, and the Empire of Brazil fighting for territory of Paraguay. Just a little background on that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know why but i for some reason i just picture that to be the most colorful war like uniform wise just so many colors i wish that they were happier about uniform colors on the on the battlefield i think it would add some sass oh could you imagine like if we had like a rainbow flag kind of outfit that would make <laughs> you know i think we need to start making war fun and the way we do that was with bright colors if so. we had bright colors on uniforms, people would be less privy to stain them. And so there would be less bloodshed. I mean, why do you think? Yeah, that- that's what they're thinking when they're shooting at you. <laughs> why, why do you think the UN rarely sends out their troops? It's because yeah. they have the robin's egg blue <laughs> uniforms. And they're like, I don't want to get this dirty. So I am just going to not, we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> The uniforms are very expensive. Yes. <laughs> so um, Gigi's great-grandfather, Donato, rose to governor and amassed enough wealth to ensure his family did not want for anything. But unfortunately, his daughter gambled most of the money away. Oof. Hmm. Even so, enough was left that the heirs of aristocracy lived on in her and Gigi as a child and into adulthood. So basically like they had enough money where they could pretend to be rich. Like they were never really truly broke. I don't think they were better off than any of us are. So it's like the Trumps sort of. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. It's like most upper middle-class Americans now where it's like, you can only have enough money to afford your mortgage, but there's nothing in your house. Oh, gotcha. All right. So they were house poor sort of thing. So they were. Yeah. 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 Okay. On the outside, it looked great. On the inside, 
it was like you know there was it was very bare yes exactly gotcha um so then that was donato's history and then as for Gija and her father Gija's family moved around because of her father's uh military career until they finally settled in buenos aires then Gija's father abandoned the family when Gija was still young. Oh. Gija's son would later write that family that the family refused to even utter his name after he left. He said that the family was littered with really dark secrets and that there were examples and stories of Donato Alvarez, the great legendary grandfather, punishing his children for misbehaving by tying them to a chair with rope and then suspending that chair through a hole that led into the basement. It's a lot of work. them from the first floor. What? I'm sorry. I was saying that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But yeah. Yeah. He just, dangled his children from like the first floor in a chair into the basement. Just fucking ground them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was grounding them in the most literal sense of uh, the word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was what he thought grounding was it's yeah, like he, well it couldn't just simply be sending him to the room mm-hmm. it has to be a complicated series of ropes and tethers <laughs> <laughs> he's like this is how the americans do it yeah <laughs> there were also murmurs in the family that Gigi's father sexually abused his daughters uh before he abandoned them I always love when people say there are rumors because what that means is that the daughters definitely said he sexually abused us. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was like, I don't know if that's true, if that's not true. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Even the okay. son in this book, he says he's like, he says like there are rumors, blah blah blah. And then at the end he's like, But we can't say that for sure. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, <laughs> won't, right. we won't say that. We sure. won't say that for sure. We won't say, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Gija was a big girl. At 13, she was very tall and she was chubby with what most people would say was a pretty unattractive face. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I love is that the idea that a news reporter was just picking people at rounding, random and saying, does Gija have a pretty face? Would you say Gija has a pretty attractive face? And they're like, no. No, no. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this, her, this, her son hates her. Uh, obviously through, this, uh, through the book it becomes really apparent. Oh, not even through. Like first page that he hates her. And he has good reason to hate his mom, but he really, he lays it in sometimes. so Gija at 13 knowing that she was big took up swimming to lose weight while taking swimming lessons she met a man named Enrique Juarez a university student studying to be a geologist who was about to receive his teaching credential according to his book Martin alleges to know that his mother lost her virginity remember she's 13 she lost her virginity to Enrique on the night that he received his teaching credential. What? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Oh, my God. Despite their supposed love for each other, Gija and her mother 
decided that a geologist would not provide the financial future that Zizia believed she deserved. So she continued to date him, but turned him down when he proposed. But then just continued to date him, I think, honestly. Like, I think they just didn't marry. Like, I think she was honest about it and probably told him, like, you're a geologist, you're going to be a teacher, you're not going to give me the money I want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To which I guess Enrique was like, okay. All right. He's like, yeah. Uh, then, our, but I'll see you for dinner at six. Oh yeah, sure. Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, Zizia would meet a man named Antonio Murano, who was obviously Martin's dad. Martin describes his dad, Antonio, as a meek and nervous man. A man who hadn't been in a lot of relationships before he met Zizia. And by the time that he had met Zizia, she had shed her baby fat and had become statuesque. The way Martin put it, Zizia, 14 14 years Antonio's junior, both charmed and domineered Antonio with her aggressive, overwhelming, and direct affect. Six months later, she married him. He was a lawyer, so her meal ticket to a comfy life was secured. Yay! But as far as I understand, Antonio was a public defender of sorts. So oh. while he made good money, he didn't make great money. I think in Argentina, they public defenders make a little more than what they make here on average. But, you know, it's it's not great. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Unless you go into private practice, you really don't make that much money. Yeah, it's not Kardashian money. No. It's not Cochran but... money. <laughs> and, and I think as we're learning, uh, you know, through uh, all these new uh, lawsuits from of lawyers who have lie about how much money they're making is that, you know, if a lawyer says they're rich, odds are they're doing something illegal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they lived in a two bedroom apartment in the city center after they got married which Yuya always said she preferred because she did not want to concern herself with housekeeping. Now, I think this goes unsaid, but in case it doesn't, Yuya did not have a job. That's, okay. not her, that's not her thing. She doesn't work. She's not a housewife. She's just a wife that deserves nice things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yuya... She, she spent nearly every single day outside of the house doing essentially nothing. She loved to spend her time just having lunches and brunches and going shopping and visiting with friends, et cetera, et cetera. This was like her job. She did this Monday through Friday. And then on Saturdays, she would go out with her husband. And then on Sunday, I think she would just stay home. I'm not sure. They don't really talk about Sundays, except for the fact that she didn't go to church with everybody else. So I think she just stayed home. Hmm. Or we could probably surmise what else she did in a minute. But anyway, she was always in places where you were supposed to be seen. You know, mm-hmm. um, nearly every day she would go brunch at a hotel restaurant, the same one. Um, and then, 
for many years, her and Antonio, I think it was like 10 years, they didn't have any children. Um, They both assumed, or maybe the doctor told them, they both said that Antonio was sterile. And then suddenly, 10 years down the line, Gija became pregnant. Hmm. Martin would later be given many reasons to suspect that his biological father was actually Enrique, the geologist. But Gija had made Antonio, Enrique, and two other men believe that they were Martin's father when she was pregnant. Uh, well, I, I remember this because this was the impetus for Mamma Mia. That's why. Oh, yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a thing, though? Like, she doesn't know which of the three guys is her dad? Yeah, because, well, because she, I don't think the, mo- the mom never tells who the father is, but she reads her mom's journal and and surmises that it could it's one of three men so she invites those three men to uh to come to her and then i forgot like it's been so long since i've seen it but i was like i don't know how she is figuring out that they're the the three that they're definitely gonna be the father but i think like she's like oh i'll just ask him it's like okay well great smart (laughs) i don't think i would have been a really good man because if i had that situation i'd be like i'm probably not the father so i'm gonna stay out of this that's 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 a man (laughs) that's a guy well she gets she gets in there because i think she writes him a letter saying that she that they as the mother saying that she wants to talk to them or something so that's why they show up so it's not because of her they don't know that she exists the daughter exists oh that's 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 the way to do it yeah there you go so, so that's why all the men show up is because they think they're gonna get laid and then they see the girl and they're like mama mia yeah <laughs> and that's the end of the musical it's a really yeah. short musical it's really <laughs> nice though yeah so. when martin was five Gija began taking him with her on her daily outings martin recalls that at this hotel restaurant that she would love to go to brunch at every day they had a one particular table that was hidden in the corner of the restaurant where you couldn't you couldn't see it from the outside windows and that every day her mo- his mom would meet there with a man named Riccardi Riccardi <laughs> and even though he ate with her every day he would barely Riccardi would barely ever acknowledge Martin Martin oh. would later understand that is so fucking awkward what that's so fucking awkward yeah it's so weird it's so (laughs) awkward how are you doing madame you are the most beautiful woman in here there is excuse me little boy there is nobody else i'd rather be (laughs) 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 just bumps him out of the other chair yeah i need this one for my suitcase (laughs) (laughs) uh martin would later understand by what they thought was their secret was was their like covert operations basically that um they were together because they would always hold hands when they thought martin wasn't looking he's like five so he can see under the table like he's the height of the table also what was it like (laughs) randomly grasping hands while he's like looking around the hotel yeah it's so weird (laughs) He's like, I've been here like a million times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything that you think kids don't notice, they know. Oh, yeah. 
it's sponges. Yeah, exactly. And um, sorry, let me send this to to Cash. Actually, I'll send this to the not to the chat. <laughs> Okay. What I was gonna la- what I was laughing at earlier when you said ho- the hotel br- uh, restaurant is that she pretends always pretends that she's staying at the hotel. Like, oh, I just had a lovely <laughs> night's sleep in one of your beds. Now I'm gonna eat breakfast at this hotel that I'm definitely staying at. <laughs> yeah, definitely here all the time. I have a sweet penthouse. You know, one of your penthouses. Yeah. Not, not the main one. No, don't look there. <laughs> the other one. Um, so he would understand that Riccardi was one of his mother's lovers. And he also caught wind often of the two talking in what was like a weird coded language in front of him. And their conversations would go something like this. Tonight, we will eat dessert. Jess, it needs to be with dessert. I'll bring you the one you asked for. Jess, don't forget about that one. You know who it's for. This is not about sex. It's not about sex. Martin says he later figured out dessert was code for money. <gasps> I told you so. <laughs> Mind you, I'm not doing like a specific accent. I was just saying the Y's as J's because that's what she thinks all Y's are. Because yes. her name is Gija. <laughs> Let me play a song on my Yamaha. when he was little he writes that when he was little martin like he would be like i don't understand why they say they want to meet up again later they're just going to meet up again tomorrow which to me is like the cutest kid logic yeah it's such kid logic (laughs) and it's also so funny that these two grown idiots yeah are like we're we have to speak in code because this child won't understand that way this child will definitely not understand and it's like within like short amount of time he's like yeah i figured it out yeah (laughs) i I got your game down (laughs) i know what's up jija took martin to meet with ricardi and enrique her first love who she still had a very clear relationship with she of course warned her five-year-old child not to speak about one in front of the other so there's strike one against jija like she like no wonder he hates her yeah forget about the father who's sitting at home being like you know nervous and meek like the king from alice in wonderland there's these other two lovers that she's that she's already like don't talk about ricardo ricardo in front of enrique they'll get mad (laughs) exactly well also it's like look okay just people out there if you're going to have multiple affairs, all right, don't, first off, don't do it. But if you're going to do it, hire a babysitter. You she know? had a nanny. Okay. I, I, I wasn't going to mention this till later. Literally, the nanny went with them everywhere. So now that brings up a whole <laughs> other thing, which is now she wants him to be there. She, she, enjoy, yeah. she, gets, she, she gets off on him being there. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. That's this so is like, weird. I forget what movie what movie it is, but she, there's this movie about like a writer or something that has to travel cross country with his mom. It's not the Seth Rogen one. 
It's like another one mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, he accuses his mom of being so narcissistic that, of course, she would want this, you know. And so that's kind of what Martin does at the beginning of this book, too, where he's like, my mom, like he firmly believes his mom did all this to him and made him be there so that he would actually write about it one day, because that's how narcissistic <laughs> he sees his mom to be. Huh. I mean, I could see. Yeah. I mean, that's that uh, that does seem like a. Or at least tell people about it. Like my exactly. mom is, she, you know, she's kind of weird. <laughs> That's like half the moms in Park Slope. They all do that shit. <laughs> yes. uh, as the years went by, Gija became more flagrant with her affairs, especially with Enrique. He, Enrique would take her, Martin, and the nanny on vacations. And their entire network of like friends and frenemies, whatever you want to call them, um, talked about Gija and her lovers. Everyone knew about them except her husband. Or if he did know, he refused to believe them or even acknowledge them as a possibility. Yeah. Her lovers showered her in gifts, mostly money and jewelry. Enrique went so far as to bring her to his adopted son's birthday celebration. Hmm. Year, yearly, like not just once. Like every, every year he had one son who he also named Martin, by the way, super weird. And he was adopted because he hated his wife. He hated his wife one because she said, because he said that she was sterile as well and couldn't produce his son. And then two, what's going on with these people? (laughs) No. And two, because she was darker skinned. Nice. And then the son they adopted was also darker skinned. So he resented both. Um, but over, like, across the board, the excuse is always Catholicism. I married this guy because oh, yeah. Catholicism. I can't get a divorce because Catholicism. Because God. You know. Yeah, no. Excuse. It holds up in court, too. It's wonderful. Yeah, nice. It does. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, yeah, definitely God's making you the shitty person that you are. Yeah. Uh, I also I also love when people hate people for things that they have absolutely no control over. No control. It's, it's like I hate you for your skin. Oh well, I'm sorry I picked it when I was born. I got a color palette, and I thought, oh, I'll go darker. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm sterile. Yeah, I totally opted for that. Yeah. It's like it's like what <laughs> what, what kind of thing is that to hate somebody for? It's like what how how are they? How is that like a thing that you can do? You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and stop being sterile and dark skinned. Well, that, I mean, this guy obviously has problems. Like, yeah. first of all, he's a pedo. Well, because remember, he slept, he slept with Gija when she was 13 and he was Ugh. in graduate. He had to have been in graduate school because he was getting his teaching credential. Ugh. Oh, I, I try. I, I was making it seem like he was like a doozy, doogie Hauser of education where he was going through and he was like, getting his credential at like 14 no 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 okay (laughs) he had to coat with the elbow patches and he was all like hello lolita yes yes yeah Uh... (laughs) well she was like hi (laughs) (laughs) um so i like swimming (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah so nika would bring jija and martin to other martin's birthday parties 
And she would show up and like, of course, everybody knew that they were sleeping together. So immediately she would show up and people would like do that thing where, you know, they'd be like, oh my God, she's, I can't believe she's <laughs> And Zizia had the gall to go and boss around Enrique's actual wife. Oh, uh, telling bitch. her what to do about for like for the party and shit. <laughs> What'd you say? I said this bitch. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. And sadly enough, Enrique's wife, who I don't know the name of because she's not mentioned by name, which I think is sad enough, listened mm. and would do as she was told by Zizia. Mm. Oh, that's not right. Mm-mm. These people need the, there's certain people in, in this story that are assholes and there's certain people that just need more self-confidence. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> you yeah. believe in yourself. Um, eventually Enrique and eventually Martin would witness Enrique and her and his mother arguing over money and some sort of investment and then he stopped seeing her for a few years but in the meantime she continued her affair with Riccardi and eventually even introduced him as an old friend of her family to Antonio. So then the three of them, her husband, her lover, and herself, hung out often. Riccardi would come over for dinner, and then at least on one occasion, him and Antonio went out drinking together with Algesia because they were best of buds. Martin points out, and I don't know if this is true, if this is one of those things, he, he definitely heard it from somebody else unless he heard it directly from his mother, which he might've, cause she is, seems like, she's like one of those gross women that would probably talk about sex, like her sex escapades with her son. Um, yes. Yuzha, uh, Martin says that if, her, if his father had a better memory, he would have remembered that when he met Riccardi, he had actually met Riccardi 20 years earlier when he was on the same cruise that Antonio and Gigi took their honeymoon on. So that's that. <laughs> so then Enrique would eventually make his way back into her life and they would keep their relationship going. They would like, they would just get more and more bold. They would take their entire families, both of them to, on vacations to Mar de Plata, which means um, sea of silver. I think it's a really popular vacation spot in Argentina. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's kind of like um, the Hamptons in a way. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So people like had houses there, like th- this like level of people of who they are. They have like houses there and this is where they vacation. So anyway, they would take their families there. Then they would go to the park with the kids and the nanny, her nanny. Then they would leave the two Martins with the nanny and then go off and have sex like every day while antonio took a nap in the afternoon a life of opulence opulence um (laughs) Gigi also had other lovers throughout her marriage and later it would be rumored that it was one of her lovers that showed Gigi the art of poisoning (laughs) how i i I know you don't really but just like the start of that is like uh like i don't know if you guys have ever tried this but if you've ever tried to do something like 
like sexy in the bedroom with your and then it just backfires immediately because <laughs> you have to show them how or something because yeah. you know, you're just like you have, they're like explain further you're like oh, you know what i like to do i would like to uh, douse you in poison <laughs> and they're like okay wait what okay explain unwrap this for me <laughs> it's, like, it's like dirty talk gone wrong yeah it's like yeah. well i have the sexy art of poisoning and okay you're gonna have to backtrack there and like, please don't make me talk more about it i messed up i'm sorry move on <laughs> the years rolled by and martin found nothing but disdain in his mother she was the kind of woman who would praise everything about you from the placement of bobby pins in your hair to the polish on your toes and as soon as you left the room would attribute everything about you to your lack of class poor tastes etc Oh, so she was a Southern woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or an Argentinian upper-class woman, honestly. This yeah. Is part for the course. Sorry, ladies. She spent money on everyone and everything to make it appear like money was no object, although it clearly was. She gave a lot of her husband's and her lover's money to her sister, Olga, to the point where the pressure Zizia felt about supplying her sister with money was witnessed by Martin. He surmised that maybe it was because Olga knew about the affairs and Zizia was buying her silence. Ah. Hmm. But he doesn't know for sure, but that seems like a good bet to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He did recall times where Zizia and Enrique would even meet at Olga's house. So it's obvious that Olga knew. Zizia also loved to manipulate people around her by spreading gossip. Specifically, she loved to tell people just part of a story and leaving left them hanging to make sure she kept those who were like she she would like tell you a part of a secret and then would be like, I, I can't possibly tell you the rest. Yeah. Hmm. And, and then so she wouldn't, but she didn't really have another part of a secret. It was all like bullshit or half gossip she had heard. Hmm. Yeah. Joe, Joe, my fr- uh, friend and producer of Amazon media he he does that sometimes where it's not like he'll tell you part of it but he'll he'll like give a spoiler and then he'll always be like i'm gonna go to bed so he'll be like you know i think (laughs) i think my i think uh i think i'm done with my parents all right i'm going to bed now it's like what Mm. what happened and it's like 24 hours before and then by the time you finally get in touch with him he's like i'm so exhausted from telling this story like like, okay okay all right bud (laughs) it's ridiculous well it works or at least it worked for Zizia because she you know but I mean all these these, I'm assuming most of her friends who also have nothing to do all day are all busy bodies so that was her deal that was her network that's why her hair was so big it was full of secrets and then after years of Yia's fake ass Zizia's fake ass behavior her husband and her son were quite used to it. So at first, they didn't think twice when she just started getting, quote, interested in finance, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> she started reading uh, the finance papers and started giving her opinion about the stock market. A lot like people with GameStop today, mm-hmm. I think. 
Oh. Everybody thinks they're an expert now. Yeah. I love I I love when comedians are like, you got your portfolio? I'm like, dude, all right, you know, why don't you craft a joke? Yeah. And then we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about your ideas on what the stock market has. That's you got great. a type five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then she got a private phone line for her room and added a deadbolt to the door. She would lock herself in the room for hours talking to her friends on the phone. And Martin and Antonio would hear certain words while they passed by the door that seemed banal at the time. Just words like fixed term, bonus, interest, loan. Arsenic. <laughs> Poison. Yeah. Kill. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they knew that she was talking to her friends, uh, namely her friends Nilda. These are, for the most part, nicknames. Nilda, Chicha, Mema, and Iris. Friends of hers that she saw every day of the week, too. So she really didn't have much reason, or it didn't really seem suspicious when she would just be on the phone with them for hours at a time, except for the fact that she's deadbolting herself in a room with a private phone line. Oh, okay. But they're real people, though. I thought... real people. Okay, I thought you were going to tell me that it's like there was no phone in the room. Or something. <laughs> just the cord. She was just talking to herself. <laughs> Antonio, leave me be. Yeah. I'm talking to Chicha. <laughs> yeah. We are just, I am telling her what stocks to buy in her portfolio. <laughs> She's really worried about the NASDAQ. And the dividends and the bonds. She need to buy more AMC. <laughs> around the same time both martin both of martin's parents started showing a bit of anxiety when it came to their expenditures now this was really weird for jija because she liked to pretend that money was no object in all you know in all facets of life and antonio was he was prudent with money he had to be because his wife was not and um but even he, who was normally, you know, pretty even keel about things, started started displaying signs of worry. And I assume these are the signs of worry that only like a kid would really understand. You only see them from your parents as a kid, like the way that they don't want to spend the same amount as before on mm-hmm. certain things. Right. Yeah. Jija also... <laughs> This is really funny. Yuzha also started her asking her husband about how loans work. <laughs> she would ask theoreticals, like, what happens if you fail to pay back an investment? <laughs> and was an agreement over an investment in writing legally enforceable? Hmm. And of course, Antonio would get really upset when she would ask and warn Gigi that she needed to stop whatever it was that she was doing or else she was going to end up in hot water. And then she would ask, how much hot water? <laughs> like, am I fucked? And he would be like, yeah, you'd be fucked. And, she, and then he would like get really mad and she would be like, you know, calm down. It's just a hypothetical. How could I be involved in such things? Yeah. 
God, you're so crazy. Now, uh, let's say I owed four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Do you have that? Can I have it? Can I have it? No, Shisha, we don't have it. All right, you don't have to yell. Jeez, okay. It's just, it's fine. Whatever, it's fine. You don't have it. Whatever. Yeah. She's like, I'm going shopping. I'll be back. <laughs> I hate your bad moods. But. So the truth was that Zhuzhe was involved in such things, obviously. She had spent the better part of the last few months convincing her closest friends that she was an investor and that she could help them with their money because she knew another investor in Mar de Plata who could help them make a big turnaround. Every time she would come over or talk to them on the phone, she would talk about how she was in on a deal where someone could turn, someone she knew could turn a profit 10 times over on any investment within a month. Hmm. Her friends, predominantly the ones who had been left widows, began believing Zizia's stories. Oh, okay. They gave her the tens of thousands, they gave her tens of thousands of dollars to invest and waited on the return with interest that she promised them. Her cousin and friend, Mema, even gave her 20 million pesos to invest for her. And Zizia promised to return them a month later by March 27th. Hmm. Then on February 11th of 1979, after a brief bout of inexplicable illness, Zizia's friend, Nidia, died. Her death was attributed to a heart attack and nothing more was said on the matter. She was buried and that was that. I just imagine that's what was that those are the words used. It's like how did she nothing more will be said about this. <laughs> <laughs> the case is closed. Cerrado. <laughs> the tombstone says and that was that. Yeah. <laughs> then 10 days later on February 22nd, Leila Chicha Formisano, another friend, was found dead in her apartment. Chicha and Nia had been so close, they had even vacationed together at Mar de Plata before. So Zizia was apparently devastating. Again, the mortician attributed her death to a heart attack and nothing more. A month later, on March 24th, Zizia's cousin, Mema, died. Even though, even though Zizia feigned surprise when she received the call, the truth was Zizia had been there when her cousin had begun to feel sick. Earlier that day, as Mema descended the stairs of her apartment building, she began to feel sick very fast. She clutched at her stomach and groaned for help before falling down the rest of the stairs to the ground. The doorman immediately went to her aid, and while he called for help and others surrounded her, Zizia showed up. Instead of staying with her cousin, she asked for a key to her cousin's house in order to enter and find the numbers of family members to call, even though she is the family member, and she knew that Mema was a widow, but, oh, okay. you know, whatever. Um, the doorman 
gave her access and then went back to trying to take care of the woman on the ground. Jija went inside while everyone attended to her cousin. The ambulance showed up and took her to the hospital. Meanwhile, Jija looked in the apartment for something. She threw papers everywhere and left a few minutes later. The doorman said that he saw her take a jar, some papers, and, oh, sorry. The doorman said that he saw her take a jar and some papers before she left and then looked down at her cousin and lamented that that was the third friend of hers to die within weeks. She wasn't dead yet. She was in the ambulance. Wow. The hospital reported Mema's death as a result of cardiac arrest. Once again, a heart attack, basically. But soon after, Mema's daughter showed up, Diana. Diana went to the apartment to go and take care of her mother's things. But then after showing up at the apartment, she quickly went to the police and said, somebody has robbed or tried to rob something from the house because everything is in disarray. And she also told the police that her mother days earlier had told her that on the 27th, and this was the 24th when, like when she died, it was the 24th, right? And mm-hmm. then, so the daughter got there probably like a day later. So her mother had told her days before the 24th that on the 27th, she was going to cash in on a big investment. And so Diana had gone to the house and part of her arrangements were to look for that paper that was the agreement for the investment. And that paper that her mother had told her where it would be was gone. Oh, so now, yeah, so now the death had become suspicious Hmm. and a full autopsy was performed and Mema's body was found to contain enough cyanide to kill 20 people. Immediately, based on the eyewitness accounts of Zizia being there right before her death, she became the number one suspect. Quickly after opening the investigation, police found out that Nijia, who was also Zizia's friend and sister-in-law on her husband's side, the first one to die in our list, had actually lived in the same building as Mema and had died just a month earlier in similar circumstances. So they had Nidia's body exhumed and examined. And of course, there were strong doses of cyanide in her system as well. The last time she had been seen alive was at a dinner party at Zizia's on February 10th. The doorman of her apartment building had found it odd. So this doorman's seen a lot of weird stuff, but you know, he's just now talking. Because the doorman said that he had found it odd to not see the widow about her daily routine the next day. Three more days passed before the doorman got very worried because he hadn't seen her and asked a neighbor who also happened to be a locksmith to open the door. They did, but on the other side of the door was that like chain lock in Mm -hmm. place. Oh. So the police were called and Nidia had been found dead in her apartment. The story behind Layla's death, Chicha, also came to light. Her and Zizia had gone out, but later that day, Zizia returned alone. She knocked on the door of her friend's 
like she when she returned, she went to the like she went upstairs and knocked on the door. Or made it seem like she was knocking at the door at the very least of her friends when the doorman's wife passed by. Zizia hmm. asked her if she had seen Layla, to which the woman said, no, I saw you leave together earlier, though. So shouldn't she be with you? And then Zizia said that Layla had not been feeling well and had returned earlier. But it was strange that she wasn't opening the door now because they were supposed to have dinner together. Huh. When the door, when the doorman's wife <laughs> offered to open the door for her, she said, no, 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 no. That's not necessary. I'll just let her rest if she doesn't feel good and I'll be back tomorrow. And then she left. So the theory there is that probably she was never, she had actually poisoned her in the house probably watched her die okay and then was just leaving when the doorman's wife happened to pass by so then she pretended to be arriving gotcha 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 Mm. yeah um so then after they found all this out the police also had teacher's body exhumed and found guess what cyanide in her system Hmm. Uh Classic cocktail. At all three homes and in the stomach of Nijia and Mema, the police found many dessert cakes or the remains of either in the stomachs, they found remains of of little dessert cakes. And in each house, they found these same little pastries. These beautiful little desserts that looked absolutely irresistible. They were first overlooked at Layla's because hers were in the fridge and not near her body, like with the other two victims who had tea and cakes near their last sitting areas of the apartment. So on April 27, 1979, Jija was arrested in her home. The cakes had been tested. The cakes had cyanide in them. So <laughs> she's like, I bought, I bought them like this. Where'd you get them? <laughs> Cyanide's bakery. Yeah. <laughs> Lace and arsenic. <laughs> I just love, I just love that idea of them being tested. Cause you know that that's like, that's like my dream. It's like every fat person's dream is to be like, yeah, this is cyanide. Uh... <laughs> Where's the antidote? <laughs> Uh, no antidote it's in this other cake okay all right that's fine all right yeah i'll just eat this other one and this one and this one <laughs> you've eaten all our poisonous cakes well then i'm a hero so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> on april 27th 1979 Jija was arrested in her home she put on a shawl and checked her hair before exiting with the police yeah a shawl oh. When asked about the investments during her interrogations, she tried to remain vague about where the money was now. And when they asked her if she ever meant to repay it, she was just kind of like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And then for her trial, Jija had a simple, if not odd defense. She would say, how could I poison these women with cakes? I don't even know how to cook. <laughs> that was it. 
The argument didn't work. That's such a ridiculous argument. She's not a baker, okay? She's not a housewife. She wouldn't be able to possibly bake these cakes. I mean, it just goes to show her ego that she's like, everybody knows I hate to cook. Yeah. They can't imagine that I would do this. Yeah, you all know me. (laughs) Me in the kitchen? (laughs) No. I just imagine the same reporter that asked about her face also was like came back and was like all right i'm gonna get another scoop does she like to cook (laughs) all right okay all right i'm now headed for a pulitzer yeah argentinian pulitzer (laughs) the mountain of circumstantial evidence around jija amounted to her being found guilty and sentenced to prison for 25 years no but in prison, she flourished. Ah. She was the mother and wise advisor to many inmates. Yeah, those people usually do. Yeah. Three years into her sentence, she had a brain aneurysm. No. <laughs> the bitch did not die. What? what? Wow. Even I swear on- to God, if you say she flourished with a brain aneurysm. <laughs> she she did. God damn it. God that, damn it. She was transferred to the hospital for an operation. You know, she asked for like a letter to, she asked to write a letter before her operation mm-hmm. because she thought she was going to die. And the, the nurse made a joke about how like this bitch will live for like 50 more years. She's not going to die. And she did. Wow. You know, so she was operated on and lived. Meanwhile, while this is all going on, her lawyer is putting in appeal after appeal after appeal. One of the appeals is even something about how they mishandled the testing of the cakes. I put that on you, Lori. (laughs) (laughs) We we back up our we back up our science. All right. Check my stool. I ate that goddamn cake. <laughs> then why is my shit bloody? Why is it bloody? Yeah. Why, why am I puking blood? All right. It's not because of my ulcer, because that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> His tactics seemed to work, and her conviction was overturned at first. Oh, Jesus. But then, before she got out, it was reinforced in another court. So she stayed in jail for a little longer, but then. Oh. A law in Argentina allowed her to serve two thirds of her sentence and be free, which is what happened. She well, was. This is a real roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. She was released in November of 1995. Or oh, sorry, okay. she was released. Yeah, she was released in 95, and was imprisoned for 16 years, then stayed on probation until 2003. But as soon as she got out. Zizia embraced the popularity that her case had brought her. After all, it had been so popular and such a sensation in Argentina that her arrest and her trial overshadowed an entire presidential election. Wow. She's Lady OJ. Yeah. If the cake does not fit, that doesn't work. You must have quit. If the cake, if the cake don't taste right, then don't take another bite. I think that's more for the victims. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> While she was in prison, her son wrote his book. And the famous Argentinian TV show, Mujeres Asesinas, Female Assassins, recreated her story. Mm-hmm. And at the end of which, she, they had a clip of her in prison of her proclaiming her innocence. After her release, Gigi appeared on a very popular Argentinian TV show called Lunch with Mirta Legrand, uh, which is essentially like exactly what it sounds like. It's a lady with the name Mirta Legrand sitting down at lunch at a dining room table. And there's other guests, I guess, panelists that barely talk with her. And Gigi's there and they all just have lunch while they talk about stuff. There's even like a maid that comes by and like clears plates. It's very Argentinian. It's very like old world oh, aristocratic, but it's, it, it's a, it, you know, I watched the whole episode. You could pull it up online. If you speak Spanish, I highly recommend it. It's really funny. <laughs> it felt a little bit like, like when RuPaul has like yes. guest judges. Yes. Yeah. It's like Ru, if RuPaul ate anything, it would be like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's a foot long, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the show, they made light of her crimes, which she still denied. And she even brought tea cakes with her as a <laughs> gift for the host. So fucking crazy. And the show made a sketch parody. Very <laughs> much like RuPaul. You're right. You're absolutely right. They made a sketch parody of like splicing together footage that made it look like she poisoned the host. <laughs> So fucking flagrant. That's wonderful. Thank God. Uh, Gija shows herself to be the charmer that she was said to be, showering everyone at the table with compliments, saying that, you know, saying that she will save the truth of her story till the end of the show and stuff like that. But it's all just like, it's nothing. It's bullshit, you know? Like it's, she just proclaims her innocence again. And then she also said during this interview that her son asked her for forgiveness because of his book a year after he wrote it. I don't know if that's true, no. I don't, but she, she says that it's true and that they had reconciled by then. She, but she can't like help it. She takes a little jab at him, even in this. She's like, she says like, I love him so dearly, but you know, my son thinks of himself as some kind of a Borges, and she's referring to the famous Argentinian author Jose Luis Borges. Uh, she moves. She's like she think he thinks himself some kind of Borges author. Yes, he thinks himself as a Dean Kuntz. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but he's more like a Dean Kant. A Dean Kant, he can't do much, <laughs> but they love him dearly. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of uh, one time I was doing a, so to most of you out there probably know about improv, but there's a woman who sort of is like a big name in improv named Sharna Halpern. She's ah. the most, one of the most awful people in the whole entire world. Um, and uh, she, to her credit, she did steal and, and manufacture improv from somebody else. And uh, from that, from her uh, theater IO came a bunch of other theaters like UCB and stuff like that. So uh, there, there was an improv festival and she said in front of a bunch of the UCB owners 
that she was like Matt Besser, who's one of the UCB owners, was like he wrote wrote her a letter saying, "I'm so sorry for doubting your abilities to run <laughs> the theater. Uh, <laughs> it's really it's harder than I thought, and I I value your your business acumen essentially." Oh yeah. And, yeah, Matt Walsh, who's another owner uh, of the theater. No, uh, sorry, Ian Roberts, who's another owner of the theater, was like, I'd love to see this letter. Like, I'd love to see <laughs> what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. And it was, like, in front of them, too. So it's so, such a weird moment. But, yeah, it was like she just all of a sudden randomly out of nowhere just started talking about this random letter that somebody sent her about, you are so right, and everything you said about running an improv theater is right. And they're like, okay. <laughs> everybody loves me Mm -hmm. and i am the inventor of improv yeah she's like like, and you know who wrote that letter dean Koontz. (laughs) that's right famous author uh, famous author and improviser dean Koontz. he also likes improv (laughs) yeah not many people know this but he is really good at improv he has (laughs) done he actually like started writing because because it was like he said it was the next medium to improv so mm-hmm. yes it makes sense so the yeah. stories got their start that's yeah. that's you know that's how he wrote better call sal better call sal <laughs> no <laughs> we're learning new things here oh god <laughs> uh in 1999 Gigi was also a panelist for a television fashion show oh. uh and then it, during this time, she commented that she finally felt like she was in the place that she deserved to be on television talking about fashion. Nice. Good for her. Yes. <laughs> sure. Sarcas- sarcasm, guys. Sarcasm. Zizia lived in relative, you know, infamy and that, that she benefited off of for the rest of her life. She never left uh, the upper crest of society, Ugh. honestly. Um, and she died in 2014 in a nursing home that she claims that she had been asked to be put in. I don't know how nice the nursing home was or anything, but yeah, that's it. She died a free woman hmm. after killing three women hmm. who she spent most of her time with, all for what amounts to basically probably a, a couple of hundred thousand if that for the love of money that's it that's wow. the story of the poisoner of Montserrat Gija Murano don't poison anybody guys don't do it don't do it and if you are gonna do it don't but if you are gonna do it maybe treat your son a little better yeah. you know maybe yeah. maybe be nicer to your son also, Antonio died. I'm not sure of the year, but he basically he died shortly after she was arrested and all this stuff. Uh, and her and Martin says it's basically because he just couldn't take it. Like he couldn't take oh, the embarrassment and, you know, like just like all the the back, the behind the scenes talk that was happening about them. He's just a meek man, like he said, and uh, he kind of just sputtered out. Mm. I don't uh I don't want to sound sexist cuz I'm trying really hard not to be like not to be too like polarizing as far as gender roles go. I'm trying to learn about that, but I mean uh-huh. Jesus Christ, dude. Like <laughs> come on, man. Like 
woman <laughs> up at least <laughs> like let's <laughs> fucking oh he died of the vapors i mean come on yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great oh. <laughs> okay everybody thank you so much for listening we are back we'll be back next week with a new episode given that there be no more tragedies in either of our families so pray oh. for that Let's not put that out there. Because <laughs> I'm sorry. Knock on wood. Strike that uh, from the record. Strike. It's stricken. It's stricken. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Be Bye. Safe. Have a good Bye. Day.